Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I think this is episode 177, and we are here with Dustin Lee, one of my really good friends, and he has done amazing things, and he really is passionate about helping designers make a little bit more money and get um, some more income generated so that we're not always feeling like we're up against the wall. So, Dustin, thanks for coming today. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, like, being on your show is one of my favorite things ever, for real. We talk a lot, and uh, I enjoy talking to you, but it's really fun to be on your show, so thanks. Well, I always, anytime. So um, if you are new to the platform, it's over there. You can kind of see what is going on. Um, you can actually pop it out as well, and if we share screen, that will definitely be what happens. So we're just going to um, – I see Joseph's here. Awesome. Scott Fuller. Um, Jetpacks and roller skates, awesome. Here we go. Oh, cool. I know, so cool. You got a lot of people who you've done some work with. So Dustin, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you kind of give us a quick background of how you came into design and what you do and then how you got the bug of retro graphics? Yeah, um, so I went to an art school during high school. And then I decided that I couldn't make money with art. And um, I decided the best way was to be in business. And I thought, what better way to learn business than in banks, which didn't make any freaking sense. But like in the time in my 20s, that seemed really smart. So I worked in banks and I was miserable. And um, right before I got married, I told my wife, I can't work in banks forever. I really want to be a designer. And so even though I had a degree already, I from like a normal university, I went back to community college and studied design for a year. And then that was like my downward spiral into debt and like thinking I was living in a pipe dream and probably a lot of my family thinking I was crazy. And I struggled for a long time and then slowly, incrementally, things got a little better and a little better. And um, eventually uh, I tried to do a startup um, and uh, with a friend, like an educational platform and it did horrible. And then I found out we were having our first daughter and uh, we needed, you know, money for diapers and stuff like that. And out of desperation, I started selling stuff online. Like it was pure that I got up early and just tried to make some extra it money. It was tools, tools for designers to use. It wasn't just like you started selling widgets, right? Or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I like had always wanted to make a design shop and sell design goods. I'd seen creative market and seen people do it and always thought, oh, I really want to do this. So. Um, that came to mind first and I did that and uh, first month I made something about $800 second month was like I don't can't even remember like $13,000 or something like that like like mind-blowing money for me I mean more, more money than I'd ever seen in my life and I knew really quickly that I needed to stop the startup I was working on and I needed to focus on the design goods business and um, I had a unique set of skills and that I had spent two years working for an online marketing company so that mixed with my decent design skills and, and good understanding of Photoshop and Illustrator um, helped me to just make the business do really well. And I've yeah. uh, been able to pay off my debt and get a house and have my kids now and it's, uh, it's all good. So that's it in a nutshell. I, well, that's good. And it's not like you're, I mean, you just got a new car or changed out your old car, right? Because it finally died. It was... <laughs> Right. So it's not like you were just like going out and buying like Jaguars and, oh, whatever, no. you know, DeLoreans. Like I'm that. driving my mom's car right now. My car broke down after like 300,000 miles and um, 
I mean, we're just like anyone. We, we don't have a, we're not, you know, rich and like we can't afford to spend whatever we want. We have money to buy the car, but it still hurts to spend money. So I'm driving my mom's extra car as long as we can um, before we have to go buy an SUV. <laughs> well, good. That was super nice of your mom. It was really cool over. Yeah. My mom's been very supportive. All right. So you actually have a really successful business. And I remember, um, so passive income is really a big thing. Me and you have talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, Pat Flynn runs passive income, uh, or he has a podcast. Right. Smart passive income. Smart passive income. Yeah. Um, and we've geeked out over lots of other things that people we've followed and stuff like that. So you actually have been super successful by paying off all the debt and stuff like this. And so back in, I think 2014, was for 14, 15? When did I meet you? When did you do that workshop at Creative? I think it was 14. So it, I think maybe it was too. So yeah. it was like $240,000 in a year you were able to make and generate. And so to me, that was like, whoa, really? Like I was expecting maybe, you know, extra 7,000, maybe 20,000, <laughs> but not, yeah. whoa, oh my goodness, 240,000. You're able to really not just pay off debt, but you're actually able to invest in turn around and you don't have a ton of people that are under you working and that you're having to pay all these salaries. You do have, you do do a lot of collaborations with people and you do have people that are under you, right? As contractors right. or whatever. But yeah. to me, that was a huge number. And it also was like, wow, you seemed like a normal person. And I always felt like even with like Pat Flynn or any of the people, David Gar Seitman Garland, any of those people, they just seemed like normal people. And it was like, if they can do it, then maybe I can do it too. And I guess that was one of the things that I love that you were so reachable and that you really were passionate about helping me and other designers not feel so overwhelmed with debt or overwhelmed that you can't get out of, you could actually make something and make it work if you had kind of these um, the, the toolkit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically I, I, I felt like we're kind of like, for example, on dribble or something, we see all the very, very best cream of the crop people doing amazing things and no one ever shows us the bad stuff they do. And we assume everyone is, you know, making a great living and that we're failing. Um, and it's a total, lie. Everyone is struggling and everyone tries to hide it. And so I really made an effort of saying, Hey, I was in debt. Hey, I'm not, you know, a design genius. I didn't go to some fancy design college. I have the same struggles and insecurities as everyone else did. And if, trust me, if I can do this, you can, you can do this, you know? Right. Okay. So, so let's talk. So one of the things that we had talked about last week when we were like, what do you want to talk about on the show? We were like, Oh, Hey, um, you said you had done this survey and I know we're not in, well, we're sort of in order. I'm like, Oh crap. I should probably say to my list. Um, let me read it. So you collaborate with people, you teach courses, you are continually always putting out new products, which you actually just came out with huge brush pack with, uh, that you, uh, collaborated with Von Glitchka yesterday. Right. Yep. Um, and you always give something. So it's like, uh, there's a, a certain period of time when you get, can you hear my phone buzzing? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I do I'm it all the time. i put it in my pocket. Um, but, but I can't remember. Um, oh, you're talking about Von Glitchka and that pack. And oh, so, but you know what you give? So you have a, a email list, just like I have an email list. And then you always give your list like the sneak peek preview or you give them the, um, 
you give them a discount. And so for that, that's a, a going to be a $79 pack. And if you added all the others, it was like $139 if you added them all up individually. Right. Um, and so I thought, wow, and you're, you're giving it to us for $59. I was like, and it's like 100 brushes or something like that, right? It's yeah, it's 130 something brushes and like a ton of different stuff. Um, but that's the cool part about collaborating with people is I think one thing that um, has stopped a lot of people is that they feel like they have to do it all on their own. I know I'm not Von Glitchka. I'm not, you know, Nick Slater, who just did a new logo for the Passive Income for Designer site, which is amazing. Um, he killed it. Um, I'm not a Brad Woodard from Brave the Woods and can't do this kind of illustrations. And um, I also care way more about making a cool product than I do taking all the credit for it. Right. Um, I just, I don't, I have more interest in getting the product out than actually making every part of it. Um, so that's played as a huge advantage for me, I think. And um, yeah, like the reason the product is good is because Vaughn is over the top when he makes stuff. That's why he's so successful. Like when he makes it, like we made the first one and he had to do outdo himself. And I've had people tell me like with the tutorials, I just watched this one tutorial and that was worth like the whole price of the whole thing easily. And I'm sure it was like that one thing that Vaughn might teach you, like can save you time for years and add up to hundreds or thousands of dollars in productivity. So um, yeah, I've just been blessed to work with um, some amazing people. Truly Abs have. Absolutely. All right. So, um, okay. So Jason asked, actually asked, there is a Q and a, you can uh, see down there, but I'm going to, I always try to get y'all's questions first. So, um, uh, Jason Frostholm wants to know, Dustin, man, what happened to your podcast? We need more episodes. And I agree. Um, that was not on our list, but you know, it's like, it's not just like you're putting out products. You're actually giving a lot of stuff away. The matchbook tutorial was something you gave a couple of pieces out of it. And that's what I actually ended up creating all the promos. I mean, I didn't create the illustrations except the cones. I bought those and I was very clear in all the <laughs> promotions that I didn't make that. But, um, but I made them retro looking because with the matchbook and I thought, wow, that's such a, you do give away a lot. And even on the podcast, you give away a lot. So where are you on the podcast? Yeah. Um, so, so this podcast, Brittany's on here, so I have to mention this. So this podcast started because we both, me and Brittany both wanted to do them and we made a bet that whoever did the most consecutive podcasts had to buy the other one, all the drinks and dinners for a night. Oh, um, there was some date debate about who won that. Um, yeah, we're still debating about that. But anyways, so I did it and I actually have like a bunch that need to go out. In fact, an amazing one with Aaron Epstein who runs Creative Market. He's the CEO of Creative Market. Oh, cool. And he like gives all the, you know, he knows everything, all the tricks and secrets of Creative Market and um, how to succeed on there. And so I do have them to release, but to be honest, um, I have a lot going on and uh, I, just like everyone questioned what I'm doing, you know, I made some podcast episodes and I thought, well, I want to do more direct teaching. And then of course, create And then of course, retro supply is the main breadwinner. So then that becomes a priority. So honestly, I just got indecision paralysis and started like trying different stuff, but it is an active site and it's constantly being updated, but that's why. Okay. Well, that's a good enough answer. It is yeah. <laughs> like you have, um, a bunch of other things. So Jennifer, I think it's Jennifer Stewart, one of my um, old students um, or alumni, I guess. Um, she probably wouldn't want me to call her an old student, but uh, an old learner, I guess. I'm not <laughs> old at all, but um, so what's your uh, website? So you want to tell them what some of the, both of 
the or two of the main ones are? Yeah. So okay. So the main one that's kind of like helped me to like get my freedom in my work has been um, retrosupply.co, and I just acquired retrosupply.com, which was big. It is big. Uh, that's huge. Someone owned it, and like they were like really like. I mean, they wanted a crazy amount of money. It took a lot of negotiation to get it down to a decent price, but that's the main site. Um, and then I started PassiveIncomeForDesigners.com, which um, is a long, crazy name, but it explains exactly what it is. And I thought it was important that it's clear what the site is about. And that site is dedicated to basically painting the blueprint that I use to make this work. It doesn't, you don't have to be a genius um, to do it by any means, but you can spend a lot of time guessing if someone doesn't tell you. And the thing is, is that most people doing this don't want to tell you because they don't want more competition or they don't want to tell you because they're busy making money and doing this. Right. And I decided, I don't know how long my shop will go for. I, I think it will go for a long time, but I decided I wanted to have more of a legacy than that. Personally, like I just felt like, you know what, like, this can really help a lot of people. I know a lot of designers and I'd be interested in the comments if any of you feel this way are on like a feast and famine cycle where like some months like you're rolling in the dough and some months you're like, how am I going to pay my bills this month? Or like you're going to the store and calculating, can I afford to get like the like refrigerated pasta instead of like the drop in the boiling water pasta or like, will that not give me enough money to pay my electric bill? Right. And that sucks because like so many designers are so talented they shouldn't be in that position and right. most of them could easily be taking care of that. Or maybe they have like a client that um, I'll put it nicely and say is not a nice fit for them, not the right fit. And they would love to like fire that client and right. people don't have the freedom to do that. And that sucks. Right. So that's why I'm doing that. So I felt like, you know what, someone needs to teach this. Somebody else is, and I'm doing it for purely selfish reasons in the sense that, Someone else is going to teach this. I would love to be the person to do it because I want to take the credit for teaching people. Um, that's the selfish reason. And then there's, of course, the reason that it feels great when you see people actually do it. It truly does because it's life-changing. Well, yeah. I mean, I one thing, we all are busy. And so sometimes, like last week, I had to, I'm doing this big map. And I was like, well, I could do a compass. I could make a compass. I could, you know, do some sketching and then do it out. And then Emily Carlton, um, I believe she sat in on your uh, workshop one year and yeah. so she published this thing and I met her at creative South. I Great Snapchat feed. Great yeah. Snapchat, by the way. Yeah. And yeah. she's terrific. Super nice. Um, mm -hmm. But so I was just, and I just did a search on creative market for compass and you think, well, and there weren't very many. So if, you know, that was a really good kind of niche thing for her to, um, cause hers was the best one for sure. And that was Emily Carlton. So I wanted to support her. So I, instead of me spending an hour on something, I just paid $8 or whatever to just have it. So then I'm, if you're, if my hourly rates a hundred dollars an hour, so hopefully I'm not too low or too high, I guess. But for me, I've been working 20 years. I think in my market, a hundred dollars an hour is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. You shake your head. No, I'm like, okay, oh, no, no, no. I'm a whole another conversation on I that. I totally agree. <laughs> so more. it would take me probably about 45, maybe, maybe 30 minutes. Maybe I could do it pretty quick, but I would like to sketch it out. And then, so if I could spend $8, then yeah. it's much cheaper for me to do it like that. So then I'm also helping 
you know, somebody else I know. And that's why I think networking within our industry and not networking, networking, you know, but like being friends with people. I want, because I knew Emily, I wanted to help Emily, but Emily was also helping me. So it's like creative market becomes a resource <clears throat> for us to be able to, or, or, I mean, I bought the graphics that I bought for this one. I got on one, two, three RF in just a royalty free, uh, you know, really it's photography, but you could pay a little bit more to get the illustrations. Well, it would have taken me a lot longer to do the illustrations because I'm learning to be an illustrator. So anyway, um, so Andre from Portugal, he said he bought your vector hero for illustrator and loved it. Me too. That one is like the whole pack, the vector flow vector, everything. I bought that big pack. That's one of my favorites. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you. Yeah. Those have done really well. And people I've seen some amazing work with them. Um, that's the coolest part is you get to see people do really neat things. Um, someone that comes to mind is there's an amazing illustrator named Travis price who has done just amazing work. He's a um, designer from Australia and he uses it and it's just amazing. So yeah, it's definitely cool to see people use them and I'm glad they like them. So you actually also reach out and you ask people. So somebody asked, um, I think it was Josh asked, I'm going to look up his question real quick. He said, um, Oh, boogers went to the wrong one. Okay. Here it is. Um, one of his questions was, um, you know, how do you come up with ideas for awesome products? And I know one of the ways is, is that you survey your audience, right? Yes. Yeah, I do. So, um, there's, so this is the biggest problem people have when they try to sell products online, um, is it's so easy to think of like what you like, like people think of what, what do I want to make? Right. And they should really be thinking, what do people want to buy? If you, if you want to make something because you like to make it and you want to put it out there, that's great. And that might help your reputation and people might think it's lit. It's cool, but you're probably not going to sell as much as if you go and look, what do a lot of people want? So for instance, I have a fairly large email list now. It's approaching 17,000, which is, I am so, I'm so lucky I started doing that early, but you know, that's a lot of people. So I can send an email out to the people that have actually purchased. So the, the um, survey doesn't go to people that haven't bought because right. um, very in the most polite way possible, we don't care what people that don't buy want, want because they don't buy. So who cares what they want? We, we care what the actual customers want. And you want to take care of them. So instead of guessing and giving them what I think they want, you just ask people and you send a survey out and say, what are you struggling with? What do you think's neat? What do I do that's annoying? What do I do that's awesome? And people will tell you, and it's really funny, because you'll see like the same thing over and over and that's the product you make. And then I know all of, or I'm assuming all of you guys struggle with time. You probably don't have enough time and you're afraid if you make a product to sell, if you want to go into passive income that you're going to waste all this time you could on a freelance client and it's not going to make money. So one way around that is to ask people and then you have a pretty good feel that people want that. Um, and then when you put it out, your chances of success are much higher. Now I still survey people and some things don't do nearly as well as others. It's just the way it goes. You know, people will tell you things they want and then when you release it, they don't buy it and you're like, I don't know why. And then sometimes I put something out and I'm like, 
I don't think this will do that great. None of people want this. And then it sells like crazy. So it's kind of well, an art and a science. Right. Well, so uh, Doc reads like, I'm trying to figure out how to sell people more time, which if you figure that out, Doc, we're going to have you back on the show and you can tell us how to do that. Um, Cause I would be buying. Um, but so we talked about the three and really we talked about four things, but three main roadblocks um, for designers. So one is that there's not enough time. Yeah, um, do you want to talk about, one. yeah, definitely the biggest. So then do you want to talk, just mention the other two and then we'll dig into them? Yeah. I'm you want me to tell them what being, they were? <laughs> well, I have the ones in my head, I think, but. Okay, tell me. So we have time. Um, and we're talking about roadblocks to like getting creative work done, right? Or starting right. a side business or whatever. Yeah. So we have time. That's the number one problem. People don't have enough time. They get home from their day jobs and they want to spend time with the family or they don't want to gamble on spending all this time on a product only to have it do poorly. Right. Um, the second thing is that people have imposter syndrome. Like this is rampant. Like it's crazy. I surveyed, I think I, I got 150 answers back and these are all from established designers. And 65, 70% said that imposter syndrome. So but you've even said that. You've even said that uh, to me. And I'm like, Dustin, you're a designer. Like, uh, it seems so yeah. silly. But I think, I think it's good to know. And I think that it doesn't matter how much, you know, you're like, well, I didn't go to a design school or I don't have a degree in design. You don't need a degree in design. You, you just need to, to be passionate and be learning and growing and pushing. And Absolutely. how what you're putting out there and the imposter syndrome, it's nice to know that everybody feels that way. And I feel like that's one of the things that you got from that survey was like, wow, it was a lot of people and they need to know that everybody kind of feels that way. Right. Absolutely. And someone's asking like, what is imposter syndrome? So like really quickly, imposter syndrome is like when you do something like you're a graphic designer, but you secretly feel like everyone's going to figure out that you're a fake and you've been pretending to be a graphic designer your whole life and they're going to call you out. So for instance, when I released my first product on creative market, I was scared to death. I couldn't sleep that night because I thought people were going to say, you didn't set up this AI file right. And you know, the, you didn't do the kerning right on these letters and you suck. And like, you shouldn't even be on here. And um, that's what I was afraid of. Like I was deathly afraid of that and it never happens. And people struggle with this so much and it's such a bummer because I think it holds so many people back from doing awesome things. So you have time, you have imposter syndrome and I'm curious what your third is. I wonder if your third so is. So I think we were talking about this and I had um, texted you back. So I'm going back to my thing. I think I'm going to read it. Um, we actually talked about, clients being bad like and that's not necessarily a for you making passive income but it's it's one of the roadblocks i think designers hit and so oh. it's like you know i just get the crappy clients and if i just worked there it's kind of like the grass is always greener if i worked at this agency then i would have more creative time and if i had this client i would be more be able to do more creative things so it's like if i just lived on this side of the grass then it would be so much better and I would be more creative because, because I feel like we're sometimes our clients can um, suck some creativity out of us. But I really believe that you can um, get people in, on your side. And that's one of the things I'll, some people come out of design school or out of uh, ad agency, uh, like a portfolio center with Johnny Gwynn and they know how to sell. They know how to sell something, sell an idea and 
that is a beautiful thing to be able to do. And until you get to that stage of knowing how to do that, it, it does sort of feel like they're not letting you be creative, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, people definitely get around that and there's an art to it in itself, but I know, I mean, from the survey, at least tons of people responded and said, I work all day for clients and I can't convince them of things and I'm not allowed to like spread my wings. And these are people that got into this because they were creative. These are the kid, you know, these are people like me and you who were drawing when they were kids that, you know, and when they were in high school and stuff and they were in all the art classes and they got into design because they wanted to do creative stuff. And the next thing you know, like they have like clients like from, you know, the driving school standing over their shoulder telling them how to make a flyer for the driving school. Not that there's anything wrong with driving schools, but I'm just saying like, it's not creative. And so they're like, wow, like they're just, they get burnt out and they don't get to do the cool, neato stuff that they signed up for. And they're like, this isn't what I signed up for in my life. Right. And I think those are the, those are really the huge roadblocks. And, and so Blake was saying this earlier. He's like, yeah, I don't really usually buy stuff and I'm try, trying to, I'm not getting it perfectly because I'm not able to scroll up that far to, oh, it says, because I don't usually buy things, I make them myself or figure out a way to create it. And then he's like, well, maybe those are things to sell. And I said, yes, absolutely. Like Blake, those are the things to sell. But there's certain things that you teach in passive income for designers that kind of clue people in on figuring out how what you should sell. And that's one of the things you're going to um, give, you're going to give people 10 at the, um, sign up if they want to, they can get 10 ways of, right? What did you tell me? Yeah. So after I made the survey, I was like, I'm going to make this little freebie. I'll put a little link here for it. So this we can, is we'll share it again twice, but will you also say what it is if the, Oh, absolutely. Come yeah. up? So like the big struggle was time, right? Like people are afraid to do this because of time. So I thought, well, there's all sorts of ways where you can make things in an evening. You know, once your kids go to bed or on some night that you have off, you know, you can easily make a product in a couple hours for some of them. Some take longer, some take a couple hours. Some I think you could probably do in like 30 minutes for real. Um, and it's just a quick way to get started. And the thing that stops people is they don't believe it. Like, People want to learn, well, how do I get the traffic and how do I pick the right product? But the biggest thing I've noticed is that people don't believe it. It's like, um, I read this great analogy. There's this movie called Transformation or Transform or something. What's that movie where the dude finds out about these pills that he takes? When you take the pill, all of a sudden the world becomes crystal clear and your intelligence oh. goes up. Oh, yeah, but that's a TV show, right? Limitless. No, it's a movie, I believe. Um, but it's a TV show, Limitless. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of the movie where there's this magic pill. And or the Matrix is like that too. Yeah, like Johnny Gwynn said, and it's like literally like that. It's like once you make a couple of dollars online, you see people pay for it. It's like all of a sudden, like things become very clear right. and the path becomes much clearer, but people don't believe it and they need to get to that point. And that means you need to make some stuff and you need to forget about people judging you and you need to make the stuff fast and you'll find your path by doing that. And of course, there's tons of little details to making it work better and there's tons of hacks and, um, you know, shortcuts and different things you can do. I mean, I spent years not knowing what the hell I was doing. And I was lucky enough to have a mentor that did. Um, in fact, he had spent like just in one year, he'd spent over $20,000 in training from, you know, very high level marketers learning and marketing is important and they don't teach that in design school. Right. Or for the most part, they don't. Um, but it's a huge part of selling stuff. 
It is. You have to know how to sell stuff. So Blake says right now, he says, I definitely don't believe it because a lot of things I already, I, that I make already have packs made of it. So it feels redundant. And he says, you know what I mean? So this guy that both, uh, uh, Dustin and I follow says um, David Seitman Garland, one of his courses that I took. And this is definitely something Dustin teaches is that if nobody, if there's not another product out there, then you shouldn't be making it because you want to have proof the, of the people will purchase. Then you have to make it better there. You know what, Blake, there are tons of tables. You can go and buy a, a ton of different kinds of tables. There's not just one table maker. It's about why that table is good for that uh, purpose and so you got to think for chair or whatever you know and so it it's really Dustin really talks about you know making those promo images and how to how to make it and how to market it and I do think that that's something as designers we we are limited on absolutely it's it's a um that's something I learned when I was working for uh, my friend Jonathan Mead paid to exist and if nobody's making something and that then don't make it like if the quickest way to go broke or to waste your time is to try to make something completely new that no one has ever bought because you're risking so much. Like don't gamble on that gamble and stuff that other people have bought. And here's the secret. Everyone says, well, how do I stand out? So here's how you stand out. It's really, really simple. You can't be the, maybe you can be the best, but not everyone can be the best. I mean, by definition, the bit, the best is a, like 1%, right? Or like a small fraction. So don't try to be the best, Try to be different in a way that makes you, you. So let's say like you make, um, I think you're saying Blake. Let's say Blake makes like a bunch of, uh, you know, brushes or icons. Tons of people make that. You don't want to make the best ones or put yours out and make a Me Too product. You want to say, what makes me different? You know, what makes me stand out and be someone that makes people perk up and say, well, that's kind of weird. This person kind of put this whole idea on its side. So... For instance, with um, icons, maybe the special thing you do is instead of making all pre-made icons, maybe you make kits where people can build icons. Like Rocky maybe, did. Like Rocky did, yeah. Maybe you sell the greatest icon pack in the world for this one thing and you charge $499 for it. I don't know. You do something that makes people like go, this is different. I can't forget this because it's so weird. And that's why Retro Supply does it's good. A lot of people would say, well, there's a lot of retro stuff out there, but... I purposefully pick what is something weird we can do because if we can't do something weird, then we're competing with everybody else. So you want to go so far out on a branch that nobody else is willing to go that far out on it and you're being yourself and that's how people remember you. That's how you blaze yourself into their brains. Um, and that's something else that in the passive income for designers, I spend a lot of time teaching because I realized very early on that creative market now is very heavily dominated by big bundles. Right. I can't compete with people that are selling 50 fonts for $19. I can't do it. But what I can do is I can make a really unique brush pack and do it like nobody has ever done it and then charge $29 for it. But like some of the things that you do are some of the things that are, are not part of the cost. Like you get a tutorial and you get to see how the brush works before you even buy it. And that is a, a over delivering. And so it's kind of walking people through the process and then they see how to do it. And you've actually showed us how to do the thing once we get these brushes. So I just want to make sure that everybody, if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on a podcast later, it's passive income 
for for designers with an s dot com slash free hyphen cheat hyphen sheet. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> That's what you said. That's what I just was looking at the thingy. Right, let me paste it in here. Free cheat sheet. Oh, I thought you said free cheat cheat. <laughs> I said free hyphen cheat hyphen sheet. I'm sorry. I heard you wrong. No, you are 100% What did right. you say? Think I, I thought you said free cheat cheat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not enunciating. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I swear. Well, if you didn't hear me right, I'm sure people on a podcast wouldn't hear me. Anyway, C-H-E-A-T hyphen S-H-E-E-T. Yeah, and you get some you get some like ideas for really quick ways to make things. For instance, um, one of the ideas in there is to go to your hard drive, like kind of like Blake was saying. You probably have things sitting on your hard drive that you could sell. So that's a really fast way to make something. Um, another way is there's this really cool piece of software called Font Self Maker, where you can install it in Illustrator, and you can, if you're good at hand lettering or if you just want to try exploring some font stuff, you can draw the fonts, put them in Illustrator, and it will convert it into a font. Is it the best font in the world with like, you know, you know, Western European and Asian language support? No, it's not. But it's a really quick way to get started. It's called Font Self Maker. I got that Um, Kickstarter. Yeah, I got that at Kickstarter too. So Font Self Maker is a really quick way to make things. Another guy named Jason Karn has done something really smart where he's dug through the interwebs, finding amazing typography books and restoring them. These are ones that are way past their... um, copyrights and stuff like that and he's found these little pieces of gold and he sells them it's brilliant so there's all sorts of ways to do this um and it's really fun like it's really fun to do and you can make it into whatever you want Uh, jason karn's a fantastic example of that absolutely all right so go ahead oh i was just going to say so that cheat sheet gets you started um but what i'm going to be doing so if anyone here is really really interested in this um i'm going to be in a probably next week be inviting like a very small group of people to do like five weeks of training where every week we'll meet and go through like a module. And by the end of it, you'll have a shop up and we will do everything we can to set you up to be profitable. I mean, no one can guarantee you'll be profitable, but I can tell you everything I know that's worked for me. Um, So if you sign up and get that cheat sheet, I will have your email address and I will be writing you and telling you about um, when that's coming up so you can take advantage of that if you want to do it. So you got to sign up at um, PassiveIncomeForDesigners.com slash free hyphen cheat hyphen cheat. Yeah. And if you just go to PassiveIncomeForDesigners.com, there's a big button that you push and it will bring you to the right page. And by the way, the logo was just redone by Nick Slater. So thanks, Nick Slater. I didn't do that logo. Nick did. And it's amazing. I was going to try to pull it up, but it, all I have, I, the, anyway, I'm, I didn't. He did a great job. Yeah, he did an awesome job. So I'm going to, well, I'll pull, try to pull it up in a second. All right. So, um, all right. So we can, we're already, we're on um, number five. So one of the things I love about your story, and we talked about this a little bit last time, and it is, I think the failure people that's pulled people back a lot of times, they're worried about failing um, at, your story, you had nowhere to go. You had, could only get go forward. So, or up, I guess you, you felt like you were at the, your last straw. And so yeah. I think that failing to some extent, the the more you fail, the less scared of it you are. Right. And it, yeah. 
it just makes you one step closer. So most people who never start, they will never fail. But most people who have started have failed at something and it just shows that they've started. But do you want to give us a little kind of background or, or t give us a little encouragement on that fear factor? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is the biggest thing that stops people is people are either they're afraid of um, people laughing at them if they put things out. They're afraid that I've had people tell me I'm afraid my family or, you know, my wife, my parents will think I'm, you know, dumb for doing this. Um, and by the way, that's all, if those people are doing that, they're just not being supportive and that's their thing. That's not your thing. But a perfect example is like Amy Lyons is here. So Amy put some stuff out and she made some sales. She's part of, there's a, we have a Facebook group and she was like, I made like, you know, some good sales on like this product I put out. And that's amazing because she got something out and that's really hard to do. And I think that people are so afraid of doing that. But the thing is, is that once you do it once, and I think Amy would probably agree with this. Once you do it once, it's so much easier to do it again. And it's so, I know how hard it is to put something out, but once you do it once, all the fear like evaporates away and it's so easy to do over and over and over again. Um, that it's just a shame that people wait. So like get something out and if it's, um, Amy's was amazing, but I'm saying like, if you did put something on, it wasn't fantastic. That's okay. Like you got past that mental barrier, which was the biggest part to succeeding. And I, I, I was pushed to that because I needed to buy diapers for my little daughter who was going to be born. I right. didn't care. I didn't care if people thought I was dumb. I didn't care if whatever. I was desperate. And then you actually thought that maybe your mom or your friends were just buying your product for you so that you would be able to pay your bills, right? Oh, so yeah. It was that imposter syndrome early on, but then it got to the point where there was no way your mom was spending that much money. <laughs> no one had that much money to be buying my stuff. But yeah, I thought my mom was buying it. And so I, Scotty Russell talked about that when uh, Jason Frostholm interviewed him for the Creative South podcast. I was listening to that again today. And he said, you know, Instagram really changed his um, his life, I guess, in a way, because he started doing some things that he had never shared, and then he started sharing it, and then from that, from just getting some feedback and being part of a community that was encouraging, I think that that is also something that is really helpful, but that's also something that you do with that Facebook group too. You know, it's very open. You can ask questions. You can put something out there and get feedback, which so it's not like you're just buying something and it's like, see ya, you know, it's like you're actually interacting. And that's something I think that um, is really nice because it doesn't happen a lot, but that's the way you're different and you're better. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I think. Um, all right. So I definitely think fear holds us back um, from just trying and so you, you actually have step-by-step step-by-steps is like one of your things. I think the tutorials are like that. And you also always say in your tutorials, I know I'm not doing it. This is not just one way to do this. And that just to encourage you, Blake about, you know, somebody else already has a pack of this, but you are an amazing illustrator, Blake. And so you could totally sell it in with your own vein. And I think that that's really what you need to do. Um, or all of us need to do is find people, maybe it's using Instagram or finding something that people really seem to like and that they really encourage you about and then go forward with something like that. But I do, I'm, I'm guilty of not putting anything out yet, but you really do take stuff out 
uh, take us through step by step. And I think step by steps are really important. Can I add something to that about, um, about, cause I feel like Blake's, Blake's question or his issue is um, really hits the nail on the head. So when I started retro supply, here's what I was doing. This is a really quick equation. Anyone can use when they're making products. Think about what your strength is. So I, um, I'm familiar with Blake, but I can't off the top of my head picture his work. Although if I remember correctly, it's these amazing illustrations in a style right up my alley. But anyways, like all of us have our own styles, right? So think about, look at things that are doing well and then put it through your own filter of how that product would be made if it came in a, a factory and say like Brittany Barnhart's is on, Barnhart is on the call. So if Brittany saw something that was doing well in creative market, she puts it through the factory of Brittany. So like when I made retro supply, I would go, look, well, what's doing well? Well, maybe like this 3D action is doing well for doing text. It's a time saver, right? How can I put that through my filter, which is the retro stuff and package it as a retro product? So you see like, there's a ton of things that make text 3D. There's gotta be thousands of them. But that was one of the first products I made, but I wrapped it in this retro um, niche that I chose. And so when people are looking for a 3D effect, but they want a retro look to it, they buy it from me. So maybe for Blake, he does something like that in his own style. So you know what I mean? Like put it through your filter and it doesn't matter if it's been done a thousand times because it went through your special filter. And people you know, also say that you know, some people copy me when they hear that, which drives me bananas. Like put it through your filter. Don't put it through my filter. But people like, also want to be a part of you, right? They want, they want some of, of Dustin. They don't want just a, a generic something. And so that's that filter. And if you, if you aren't familiar with what your strengths are, um, I think that that's something you need to look into for sure. But absolutely. Yeah. And that's why you can't really copy what other people are doing because it's, it's going to be hard to compete. One person I think I had said is, um, you don't want to be the best. You want to be different. Um, another great quote I heard was from a guy named Mark Sivers mm. who, who founded CD baby. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he had a fantastic quote about this. He said, everything that isn't, I think he said, everything that isn't weird, cut out. Which yeah. I think is like, really smart. Like think about how, like I think they said that since the rise of the internet, I just read this the other day in this fantastic book I had called Fascinate. Um, oh, I love that. I'm really, I'm really interested in like captivating people's attention and what makes them pay attention. And she says that in a study she had um, commissioned that people's attention span used to be 20 minutes. And with the rise of the internet and cell phones, we have a attention span of um, nine seconds, which is coincidentally how long a goldfish's attention span is. So when you make things like you also have to remember people are sitting by themselves in front of a computer bored off their butts and so you have to do something that like breaks them out of the hypnosis they're in from staring at their screen. And that needs to be something like, look at this. This is weird. This is different. Like this is going to do something special for you. Um, and it's not like everything else. Right. Absolutely. And so um, it's Sally Hogshead, right? Yes. Sally Hogshead. It sounds like someone from um, Harry Potter. But it yeah. totally does. But she, she has two books that are really awesome. Both of them are really, really good. Um, and that fascinating book is terrific. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, so why, um, why do these step-by-steps? Why give people um, the step-by-step? -step? Is it because we really need it? Because we don't feel like we won't, uh, we can't do it without that or like, cause there is something to that. Like 
to tell people, I'm actually going to walk you, handhold you through something it is, yeah. is huge, especially if you're spending a good bit, bit of money, right? You're talking about the ones that come with the products or the free ones? The ones that come with the products. I mean, oh, especially okay. like the, the one that you did where um, the illustration and then you got to sign up and do the webinars and you got, you oh, know, right. it was, I, but, but even in your free stuff, you go step by step. But if you're doing it for free and a step by step, my goodness, don't you think he's going to do that for you if you pay for the product? And so I guess that's a, it's like, oh my goodness, he's giving this away for free. What do you think the product would be? You know, it'd be so much better, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the reason for the, that in the products is, um, first of all, it's becoming more and more competitive out there. So my first thing I always think is how can we do something different that no one's done? Um, the second thing is, is that we're all lazy. I'm lazy. Um, I can't speak for you. Maybe you can tell me if you're lazy or not, but I think a lot of people are, I'm pretty lazy. So a strategic advantage, like people might make the products, but people that are, you're competing against to sell products might be too lazy to get a microphone out and talk and explain things on a microphone. They might be intimidated by the microphone. They might be too lazy to make the instructions. Um, and so that's a strategic advantage because I can help teach people um, I can make sure that they feel safer that if I buy this product, it's not going to be some piece of junk that I can't figure out because I don't understand the instructions because I'm going to hold your hand and walk you through it. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, imagine if you're buying two products and one has in-depth step-by-step instructions with screenshots and zoom-ins and pointing to things telling you what's going on and someone else just gives it to you, whoops, as is. You're going to pick the person, you're going to pick the person that is going to give you like everything to make sure you succeed. So that's the strategy behind giving it in the product. But you actually go further than that. You don't just do the video because you know that some people don't learn through a video. You actually also do a PDF that's the, of all the products that I bought on Creative Market, yours are always the best. And so then I actually just bypass Creative Market and just go straight to you. And that's what you, you would like. Um, right. But even if you don't, um, and, and again, it's about having a platform at some point. Some people won't have a platform um, ever. That's not really their goal. And some people will. But I think it's, it's about continuously. Johnny said way earlier, he said, oh, you actually send the best, uh, most frequent, your frequency of email delivery is the best. He said, for, and I was like, wow, you know, so I feel like I get stuff from you uh, pretty often, but it's not too much. And but mm -hmm. it, but it's because you're giving me content that is I can use. I'm not deleting those emails. It's not like, hey, I walked the dog, you know, or I, you know, we got ice cream. Like it's content that I'm I'm using and I need, right? Yeah, well, I'm always trying to make that better, and it's a fine balance because you have to put out sales emails um, because that's how you make money and that's right. how you live and pay your bills obviously. But um, yeah, so I try to make it so even if it's an email or selling something at the very, like everyone needs to get something out of it, even if they don't buy, because most people aren't ready to buy either. They are not in front of their computer or it's not payday. They don't need it yet. So a lot of people are just going to open and look. So I try my best to make it interesting so they can at least say, I don't regret opening that. I got something out of that. I learned something, something was weird, something sparked a little idea in my head and I'm going to steal that and use that. People steal that and use that without buying the product and they can figure it out. Great. I'm happy. I want them to be happy when they open the emails. Um, and then you try to mix that with content that helps them. Uh, and I'm still just trying to strike a good balance of that. It's, um, it's hard because it's really 
hard to make things that are the right balance of helpful and not too much, not too little. But I think the biggest people mistake people make is I'm willing to bet probably 75 to 80% of people here have MailChimp accounts or email lists and probably 98% of them haven't sent an email in the past six months from those email accounts would be my guess. And you have to send it to people. And um, I think people are afraid it's going to drive people bananas or they're going to get angry. And some people will. And if they unsubscribe, that was not your person. That wasn't your thing. The people that stick around, if you're providing things, are going to feel like they know you. So whenever people write me, like through my list, they say, hey, Dustin, they know me. I put my picture places. I talk. I write the way I talk. Um, I try to put my passion into it. And so they feel like they know me. And who do we buy from? Do you buy from the stranger with the, um, you know, the music speakers that's like on the corner of like the Walmart parking lot that you never met? Or do you buy from your brother-in-law who helped you move and, you know, you've had barbecues with? You buy from people you feel like they're your homie or like they're your buddy. So um, that's the whole point. You don't expect them to buy every time, but you hope that you're helping them to feel like they know you right. at the least. So Johnny had a question, and I'm going to read it. So he said, Dustin, is this class just for online products? Yes. I mean, you could probably repurpose it for like physical products, but I don't have any success selling physical products. So I would be a snake oil salesman if I was telling people how to sell physical products because I have not made that succeed. I haven't tried. Um, but basically what I'm doing is I'm getting like very fundamental marketing skills that I learned from someone that was doing it right. And right. I'm applying those to this specific business model. Right. But um, yeah. I would use it for selling digital products. So Lenny asks, hey man, how incredible is it being my friend? Oh, Lenny, I should have read this earlier. It's okay, you can be honest. Oh no, what do you write? He said literally that, hey man, just how incredible is it being my friend? It's okay. Oh, he wrote, how incredible is it being his friend? Yes. Pretty incredible. If you don't know Lenny, go introduce yourself in this little chat right now. Because let's see, Lenny got me... Lenny got me, well, first of all, Lenny bought like every product I ever made, it seemed like. So like he helped to buy my house and then he invited me to Creative South and then he got me to speak at Creative South and then I met you and then I met Brittany and then I met um, Jordan. I met pretty much everyone on this list I know through Lenny. So it's pretty cool knowing you. You're a little self-centered, but other than that, um, you're pretty cool, Lenny. We're all no, I'm just joking. You're not self-centered. You're awesome, dude. But I thought I'd say that since you made that kind of funny comment. <laughs> it's pretty cool knowing you, Lenny. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, so some of these things, I think you definitely could take these. Um, one thing that I, uh, I think that if people have people who work for them, they need to find what their strengths are and you can use those people to make you more money. And that's what you should be doing. Right. Um, sometimes we kind of push people into a box um, and I think Amy said something earlier. She said, well, I'm tired when I get home from work because her work maybe isn't feeding her. And I think that's what Google does, you know, real well. They'll take, um, I think it's like 30 hours a week you work for Google and then 10 hours or 35 hours you work for Google, five hours, one day a week, pretty much you get to kind of do what you want to do. 
explore um and shopify does that too they actually encourage their workers to get oh, their own stores yeah um veronica cool. wong's going to be on sometime i don't remember ashley does all the she's amazing does all the scheduling for me so um but veronica works at shopify and so she started this great you know pass well hers is not necessarily passive because she has to actually make something but that's the difference between making something and having a passive. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like having a digital product as opposed to having to have physical t-shirts or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, physical products have, I mean, are, are entirely, if you're already tired and out of time, physical products are a lot riskier and a lot more time consuming because obviously you have to source the materials. You have to, you know, pay more closer attention to your profit margins you have to, um, I ordered some t-shirts from Lenny. He made me some amazing t-shirts. I put them up for sale, but then like I had to fulfill the orders and that like, I was like, how do people, I mean, I, if you have a staff, great, but I guess like with a digital product, it's kind of like set it and forget it. You can make it, release it. It will continue to make money. But passive income is not really completely true. I just use that as like a shortcut to explain it. Cause yeah, you have to update the products. People are going to write you and ask about them, but your profit margins are huge. I mean, once I make the product, it doesn't cost me anything other than the time it took me originally to make it. Um, so I just think that's the huge advantage of, of making digital products. Um, plus I think so many designers want to sell t-shirts and mugs and prints. And those are a hard sell because, um, for instance, think about all the people that succeed at this. I think this is really interesting. People always ask, why are my t-shirts selling? And this is just me waxing philosophical. I've never done this. So you can call BS on me if you think I'm totally wrong. But like, think about the people that do really well at this. Aaron Draplin does really well at this. I got two of his posters on my wall. I don't have them because I think that like, I have them because they're all about me. One's a space shuttle. Mm -hmm. I was born in 1981. That's why I bought it. Not because of Aaron Draplin, because it has a space shuttle from 1981. The other one is Georgia, which is close to my heart because that's where I've gone to Creative South and met most of you. So I buy those because they help to make me feel good inside. Um, or if you think about um, uh, 50 States Apparel, they make shirts for different states. Like Amy Lyons has designed a shirt for them. Um, do people buy those shirts because like I bought the Georgia shirt. Did I buy it because I love Amy Lyons? Well, I actually do love Amy Lyons, but that's not the reason I bought it. The reason I bought it was because it said Georgia on it. So it's hard to sell t-shirts just because it has your artwork on it because like it sounds harsh, but I don't think people care nearly as much as we think they do about our artwork on t-shirts. They care about, does it fulfill me? Like, does it help me actualize myself? Does it say something about me? Um, and that's why I think like, for instance, selling digital goods is so powerful. The products I'm selling make people look good. They're, it, it doesn't make me look good. It doesn't say retro supply in the corner when they use it. It makes them look good with little things. And that's why they buy it. Um, I'm wearing this shirt that says Brave the Woods because I made a product with him. Makes me feel good because I'm like, I made a product with Brad Woodard and now I'm wearing his shirt. So it, anybody who's in the know knows that I know him and we made a product. Anyways, I'm going off on a weird tangent there, but. I just think it's an easier way to make money. There's less risk. You can make it quickly. You can test it quickly. And if it doesn't work, you don't have a garage full of t-shirts that you can't give away right. to save your life. Well, and it's also that it can work for you while you sleep. So um, if, if you're trying to sell a product and you're selling to somebody in Australia, which you've done, it's a little hard to process the order 
if you have to be awake to process the order. But if they can get everything done while you sleep, then that is, is making you money. And, and it's just, these are tools, these are specific tools. So it's about having a niche industry, not just being a generalist. And I think we all deal with that when we have clients and clients are like, oh, I want to be for everyone. And I always like, oh, so you want your product to be in like Walmart? <laughs> and they are like, no. And I'm like, well, then you don't want it for everyone. You know, the tax form is for everyone. You know, it's just plain Helvetica. And I mean, not I that there's that, anything yeah. wrong with Helvetica, but you know, it's a tax form. It's utilitarian and it, there are other things and being niche, I think has helped you specifically. And I think that's another thing that you kind of teach in, in the course is picking something, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's a huge part is picking something that plays to your strengths and that makes it easy for you to stand out and compete without spending a ton of time doing that. Like, yeah, you really have to play to your strengths and you have to be weird. You have to be weird and you have to be interesting um, and then it's easy to sell. It's right. really easy to sell if you're willing to go out way out in left field. So, all right. So give us some of the success stories of some of the people who you've been teaching this for two years. Can you talk to us about some of those success stories? Yeah. I mean, well, I've taught it at the conferences mostly. So I've seen people succeed and I haven't had a ton of people succeed in the sense that they're making $250,000 a year or something like that. But a lot um, of people aren't doing it full time. A lot of people are doing it as a side business, right? They don't have as much time as you have to spend on this. Right, right. So the one I always think of is Rocky Rourke. Rocky Rourke made, um, he told me he, he had made some icons for some project and he sat down and watched Netflix all weekend with his laptop um, in his lounge chair. And by the end of the weekend, he had a product and he put it up for sale. And, uh, I think last time I checked it, it had made, uh, I don't know, five, six, $700. I was 19 of that or 29 of that. Oh yeah. I got one too. It's it's fantastic. And so, um, it's probably actually higher than that. I haven't asked him what it was for a couple months. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's past a thousand dollars now or more. Um, plus once you made the product, then he made other products, to expand on that. So if something's working, if something makes you, you know, a thousand dollars, you do what he did and you say, okay, well, I made an icon of guys. Let's make one of girls or let's make a spaceman themed one or like, let's make a dog themed one or whatever it is. So you see, you can expand out and then you're selling all those and then you bundle it together and you have a massive pack that you slowly accumulated. Right. Um, so that's one example. Um, another example, and this isn't someone I necessarily taught, but we had like um, a consultation about it is Jason Karn has done a fantastic job with that. Uh, Cause his was really unique. He, um, he loves type. And so he found online, like we had mentioned online um, old um, books that were copyright free that were about lettering and he got them all prepared and sold them for a subscription. So yeah, could you go find them and get them for free? Sure you could. I mean, if you want to sit around in the evening and dig all over the internet, yeah. If you want someone to find the best of the best for you and save you all that time and put them all in one place and deliver one to you every single week, that's fantastic. He did it once and it makes income forever. Um, I have another friend who had like tons of, um, what do you call it? Like it was like old vintage, like Victorian era illustrations. Mm-hmm. and she loved that stuff and used it in her work and she scanned it all in 
And she, you know, didn't make it fancy. It's not packaged amazing or anything like that, but she just charged like a fee a month to put that in to, for people to get access and they get access to all this free Victorian clip art to use. Um, Let me ask you a question real quick. So Andre asked, besides your own site, is there any other site you think are great to sell digital or you think are good to sell digital products on? And he said like gum road. And so you really have been a big, proponent of creative market and it yeah. was kind of early on you started using that one right yeah so i it was a land grab in the beginning for creative market so it was new when i started so i had that advantage um but you can still definitely make money on creative market people every day come into it and end up making full-time incomes uh i talked to like i said the ceo just like a little over a month ago people you don't have to be established to do it he said our goal is to make it so new people can come in and have like a flood of extra income come into their pockets every month. And they do, they, they really do. It's in their best interest to do that. So if you make a great product, they'll make you money. So there's creative market. Gumroad is fantastic. Um, probably a lot of you know Kyle Webster is on Gumroad. He's kind of like the, um, one of the you know, celebrities of Gumroad. They love to use him as an example of a successful Gumroad account. Um, and that's another advantage. So what I, one of my advantages on creative market was I was one of the first people to really put a ton of effort into my products. And because of that, they featured me all the time. You know, um, in fact, at one point they'd even joke that I was like paying the salaries for the staff with my products because I was making, you know, like these products that were very standing out from what was there at the time. But if you go to Gumroad, for instance, and you're making a specific thing, there's not as much competition in your particular niche maybe. So make your product, make it look amazing and then contact Gumroad and be like, check out what I made. I made this for Gumroad. This is, you know, um, I think really amazing and here's the results I've gotten. They want examples of success so they can get more people on the platform. So they will advertise you for free like crazy to show people that they should get on the platform and all that time you're getting free traffic and sales. And that's literally what got my business off the ground. So you can go to Gumroad and do that. Plus they have a recommendation engine. So you can opt in and they'll take a little higher fee, but they'll recommend your product. So let's say someone buys X piece of graphic design book or something. Your product will get recommended next. Um, another place to do that is, is a, of course, Envato, the Envato network, which is like Graphic River and things like that. I don't particularly like them because I feel like they're too heavy on editing. They choose your price, they mm. formats, they, they just take too much control, I think. Um, but the one thing you should be doing is creating an email list. So no matter, what, no matter where you go, you need to make an email list right away. And so MailChimp is an easy way to do that. There are other paid um, places, but MailChimp is free up until the first 500 users. I just had a client who was using somebody else and then um, – and she didn't have a very big list yet. And so I was like, you're just wasting money. Let's let's move you to MailChimp. Or I gave her another option. Um, and then she moved. And to me, it's a no-brainer. And those are things to me, that's a that's a up, not an upselling. I guess that's over-delivering for you as a client, um, for your clients as a designer. If you see this, they also need email lists. This isn't just for designers that need email lists. This is something, again, What's helped me and my business grow is that now I'm able to do more consulting and kind of help people get to where they need to go. And it's not that it's just designers. This here is for designers. But what I do in my day job, I guess, is helping the 
my clients get ahead and sometimes they don't know and so they need to know these tricks and tools so it, it could be that uh, your your superpower uh, the thing that you're great at that's one thing Dustin had people do like ask people who are around you if you were gonna um, hire me for something what would you hire me to do and when I asked that question they were like oh you're really nice and you're funny or and I'm like I cannot make money being funny you know or being nice but but it but Dustin and I had a long conversation he's like well those are things those are things that you could teach people um, that maybe would make a difference and so that's something that Dustin and I are working on and hopefully we'll be able to launch sometime soon and, and with a lot of other people as well but getting some of the business sense out I guess Absolutely. I think there, there's two categories of things that people will buy very easily. And that is things, the number one thing is things that make you money. So even if it's a skill like Jason said, a soft skill, like um, for instance, you're very easy to talk to. That's a huge skill when you're trying to get clients. If they feel comfortable talking to you, they're going to be more comfortable right. purchasing from you. So um, that would be best positioned, I think, in a way where you say, here's a skill I can teach you that's going to make it so you get 20% more, you close 20% more deals with clients. And that's going to be using some skills I use to make people feel comfortable and make them feel like they're understood when they're looking for a designer. So you could teach that on Skillshare or um, teach, teach that on Udemy. Is that how you say it, Udemy? I, that's uh, how I say it. <laughs> yeah, same with Imgur. I like say Imgur, Imgur, anyways. Um, yeah, so you can teach things like that by those kind of places and of course, get as much of that traffic and send it to your own email list because you don't know what they're going to do in the future. Right. Um, I know I keep going back to that, but always bring people back to your email list because for all you know, you could sell something on Skillshare and then they decide that they're going to give you a penny every time someone signs up. Right. So, right. Um, but yeah, you can definitely sell soft skills for sure. Um, well, really, an email list is something we should be teaching everybody, not just um, designers. It should be teaching our clients. I don't know if you can see way over here, the tiny little painting. Or yes. It has like a tree. Well, past it's, it's so Scotty Russell's is above that. Ah, I can't really point in the right, that one. Yeah. So this is a, an artist and they go around and they've traveled and just do art shows. So something like Doc Reed or Derek Castle or something like this. But if they build an email list, then they just like creative market was for you. It gave them that start, but then it pushed them to your site. Now you can actually sell directly to the, and I'm sorry, it's so messy over there. I'm still in transition. Maybe I should Good sign. my little thing over here. So you can't see the mess as bad, but those are things like for them, I said, you guys need to get this because at some point they don't want to go to an art show every weekend for the rest of their life. They're going to be, you know, 70 and still doing art shows and all this physical labor and out there sweating. This is not something that maybe is sustainable for a long period of time. And so you have to have some way to reach those customers and MailChimp is a great way. And again, just like you were saying, if you haven't reached out to people in six months, what would you say is the minimum you need to reach out to people? Like how often? Yeah. I think they say um, in 60 days you lose, like this is just one person, one company statistic. If you don't reach out in 60 days to your audience, you lose like 60 to 70% of them. So if you don't reach out for a long time, people will say he's not consistent or she's not consistent. They can't be trusted. Um, 
I think at a minimum, you should reach out at a minimum once a month, you should probably reach out once a week. Um, and if you're running a business trying to make sales, you should reach out at least twice a week. Um, really, you can reach out as much as you want if you're providing interesting stuff. If I had interesting stuff to provide every day, I'd reach out every single day. And I can guarantee you my sales would go through the roof. But I'm, I'm just myself and some contractors. And right. uh, so I just don't have the scale to do that. But you've got to reach out often. It's like seeing somebody. It's like we're friends with people in our office, right? There's, isn't there people in your office that you're like, I would never be friends with this person in real life, except I see them every day and now we're kind of friends. It's kind of like that with email, right? Like if they see you all the time, like they get to know you and then they end up buying from you. Well, I had um, my massage therapist emails me once a month and just as a reminder, hey, you know, here's what we're doing. And sometimes it's just a, oh man, I need to go get a massage. Like it's just a reminder because again, we need to be reminded. And I don't know if you, this is off topic, but Invisible Influence by Jonah Berger. Have you read any of his books, Justin? No, that sounds cool though. And he is awesome. I can't remember what his first book was. I'd have to go uh, down on my phone and see. But he is like a, he works at the Horton School of Business. Um, so he's, but it's definitely when we get so upset because nobody bought something, maybe because they didn't see it, you know, you need to keep trying. I think that's one of my biggest hangups. Um, and you got to kind of figure out the timing of your people. But that one has been a really good book so far. Um, I was trying to find what the other one was called. But um, that's a good one if you – his name's Jonah Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. -E -E anyway, I know we're totally out of time, and I know people got to go back to work. So I could always talk to you for forever. Like sometimes Dustin and I get on here, and we're like three hours later, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. i got to eat. <laughs> he and Lenny do that all the time. Well, Dustin, thanks. So let's share that link one more time. So it's www.passiveincomefordesigners.com slash free hyphen cheat hyphen sheet. Okay. And Dylan says, my two cents, frequency is less important than telling me something new when you're contacting me. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I feel like um, that is, that's huge. Uh, it, it, you do have to have good content. You can't just be fluff right? You, you do. Well, it depends. Like there's, there's different types of emails. So sometimes you're sending emails out to like educate people and to give them value. And then those need to be different. Like it would be crazy to write them the same thing. If you're trying to sell a product, um, like for instance, here's a way to like most people, I think the average open rate for an email list is if, if it's a healthy list, 30%. So 30% of people open those emails. But um, a great hack that I learned from, a, I believe his name is Noah Kagan from Sumo Me and AppSumo was you can get that exact same email and send it to people that never opened it with a different headline and another 15, 10 or 15% will open it. Um, plus when you sell things, sometimes people need reminders. So yeah, in general, you shouldn't send the same content and you never want to send a repeat email. But let's say I send an email to you and you are in line at Starbucks and you're thinking about the caramel frappuccino you want to buy and you see the product and say, well, that's neat. But you don't care about that. You care about your caramel frappuccino. So as soon as you get to the front of the line, you're going to close that phone and forget about it. So sometimes you do need to send an email to remind people again. And you don't want to repeat the exact same thing and drive people bananas. But you might want to say, hey, here's just another reminder. Or here's another approach to looking at this product. Because most people aren't right in front of their computer with their wallet in their pocket ready to buy. So if you're trying to make a living from selling stuff, yeah, you do to some degree need to repeat yourself. 
um, in different ways. Maybe show a different way, show testimonials, show an example of it in you, show a video, um, show a tip that they can take away even if they don't buy. But um, I mean, writing to people once, you're not going to get nearly the amount of sales and I've done it forever and I've had very few abuse complaints. Of course, you always get some unsubscribers, but. But that's really important. I think that you don't, we as people sending stuff out, we don't want to get people mad at us, but maybe it's at a point where we're not being bold enough because there are tons of times I am on so many different of, of Dustin's list because I bought it for off my phone and then I buy it off my computer and then I haven't, you know, multiple email addresses. And it's not like I'm trying to see what he's doing. It's just that this is more convenient. And a lot of times I'm not going to buy a product until I can download it. And so I might, be like, oh man, I'm going to flag this email, but then I'm going to wait till I get back on my computer. And then, so you, I need that reminder because how many things are coming to you? And that's what that Jonah Berger is talking about, that invisible influence. We used to say you had to see something seven times and now they see that it's even more. Um, and I think it's like 20 times to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, anyway, the other book he wrote uh, was a couple of years ago and it's called Contagious. They're both really good. If you're into marketing or business books, those are um, a really, really good one. Um, I always wonder if I'm sending too many. I know that I have students who are like, uh, I just can't, I don't want to get all these emails. And I would love to know that if you guys, um, you can email me back if you want, but like those things are interesting to us. Um, I think, you know, when, when people write back and are like, you know what, I don't really care what questions you're going to ask. But sometimes I think maybe the questions, why I send the questions is because then they can be like, oh, I really want to tune in because I want to make sure that I know, I want to make sure that I hear this or hear that answer. Yeah. And some people are going to be like, well, you sent me too many emails and I'm going away. I have people write me occasionally and say, um, you know, you're writing me too much and I'm unsubscribing and that's okay. That means we're not the right fit. That's perfectly fine. But let me ask you something like, do you have anything, any subjects where you can never get enough of it? I mean, I know I do, you know, for instance, for me, I love email marketing. I find it really interesting. I have people that I'm on their list where they write me every single day talking about it. Sometimes the exact same product or the exact same idea from different perspectives. I never get tired of that. People get tired. I think if you are not writing to them about what's relevant to them, but I mean, we buy books, books are hundreds of pages long and email is like a page of a book. Right. Right. So Daiko said over there, he said, Internet Explorer is brave enough to ask to be your default browser. You're brave enough to send them emails. That's so funny, Daiko. That's so true. Um, <laughs> so I definitely am interested to hear um, what uh, you guys think of this. This is um, Blab, just to kind of give you an idea. Um, I'm going to close it and then I'll tell this. I think I can still do it without recording. This is Zoom, right? Not Blab. Yes, right. But what I was doing was Blab. So oh. I'm just going to hit stop. So I'm going to say thank you, Dustin, for being awesome. Um, thank you for having me. You're always, you're just like a brother. So I'm just always thankful to have you on. Love being on. So thank, thank you very much. It's so much fun. Seriously, I talk to you. And I feel like everyone on the on the chat is people I know, which is pretty neato because it's kind of like being at Creative South, you know, really not as the same way, but it's good to see everybody there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so next week, just so you know, and then don't get off because I want to finish telling you this, but um, next week is Bethany Heck and she's going to kind of go, if you didn't get to catch her Creative South talk or you haven't read her Medium article, we're going to go a little deeper into some of those busting 
um, not only using more than two typefaces because it can be um, something that we're taught and it's ingrained in us. So it's about a new way to marry type and I'm real excited to have her on. So I will see you guys next week and you can always catch me at Diane at RechargingU.com or you can just um, sign up at RechargingU.com and, and uh, find out more. And we are every week Wednesday at 2.30 Eastern, 1130 um, Pacific. So thanks, Dustin, and don't hang up. <laughs> <laughs>